Welcome to Lincoln University, Bragging on Jesus, week number seven. This is the final week and uh, in this segment, Bragging on Jesus, and we've talked about a lot of things relating to sharing the gospel, Bragging on Jesus, in the past six weeks. And uh, we talked about the gospel, making it clear last week, and we'll talk more about that, try to finish up on that today, and we're going to write out the gospel and participate in a a couple little um, uh, exercises uh, where we're going to share the gospel um, by writing it down, writing out conversations, and then passing it to the next person. So it'll be fun. I'll explain more of that a little later. I want to do a little bit of review from last week and uh, then finish up on uh, making the gospel clear. Uh, last week we talked about how about mercy and grace and how God gives us mercy and grace for salvation. You know, mercy is is like um, not getting what we deserve. We deserve hell. And, and then Jesus, you know, um, through him we have salvation. We get to be with him in heaven. We, and so God doesn't give us what we deserve, you might say. And then grace is uh, more like um, God gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us heaven. He gives us fellowship with God. Um, he gives us his righteousness and joy and just so, so many things. Um, that's God's grace. And then also we need God's grace in sharing Jesus, don't we? Um, we need the Holy Spirit for sure and God in us, working in us. We can't trust our own intellect even though we may know the gospel. We've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. Trusting ourselves is pride. So we talked about that, and and so the Holy Spirit is what quickens us initially to see Jesus, and um, and to to see His glory, and to and to rejoice in Him and delight in Him. And so, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit, but we still need to abide in Him. We have the anointing in us, the Bible says. But in the same verse, it says that we looked at last week. We need to abide in Him. And we need to do that if we're going to bear much fruit, as we talked about in John 15 even. So, um, abide in me and let my words abide in you. Remember? And then we talked about death. Of course, Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, so, you know, Adam and Eve, by sinning against God, trusting Satan over God, that sin, the wages of that sin would bring death to them in two different ways. And we talked about that. It would bring death to them and their offspring. That includes you and me. So the day would come when they would die physically, right? But, but the, day, the very day they turned against God, they were cut off from his fellowship. And uh, that's the worst kind of death. So just to kind of to, to relate that, if you die physically, uh, your spirit leaves your body. It's out of fellowship with the body, right? And, uh, but to, for Adam and Eve to only have known God's fellowship their whole life, they were born uh, talking and walking with God. God was speaking to Adam and he walked in the garden. They were in his fellowship. And so the worst kind of death is when God's Spirit left them. So just as when our spirit leaves our body, 
we died physically. When God's Spirit left them, they died spiritually. And um, they, were they were pronounced dead right then, right? And and then all their, 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 uh, their offspring would be also born out of fellowship with God. And they would also experience physical death. So it's kind of like Nic Nicodemus. Do you remember Jesus talked to him in John chapter 3? And he said, you know, basically he said, look, Nicodemus, you're dead spiritually. You've got to be born of the flesh and of the spirit, you know, if you want to see the kingdom of God, right? So um, uh, that, and so we talked about that. We have to be born again to come back in fellowship, to be made right with God. Uh, ever since Adam and Eve uh, broke off that fellowship, right? Uh, it's because we're sinners, right? We're born in sin, and we sin. It's we're selfish, and all that. We have to be born again. So there's two kinds of deaths, just like there's two two kinds of being born, and the worst death is a spiritual death, right? So uh, we talked about the offspring of the woman and how that is very important in the gospel. Though we don't have to explain everything when we're leading someone to Christ, it can come in very handy. It's very important in the gospel. The promise of the woman, the Messiah, uh, given in Genesis, even in the curse, right, to the, to the snake or, or to the devil, to Satan, it was uh, that, that the seed or the offspring of the woman would one day crush the head of the serpent even though the serpent would strike at his heel. So, um, and you can you can look that up and, and read more about it. But that was veiled. It was a promise of the becoming Messiah. And it became clearer and clearer that through this, the lineage of the woman, this one would come and where he would be born and all these things about him started to, to take focus, right? But the main thing, I think, is where Adam and Eve failed and all their offspring failed, in other words, they did not live a righteous life, um, Jesus, the Messiah, came and he lived a righteous life. He never sinned against God. So he had 100% of righteousness in his account that he could give away. Nobody else could give that away to, to anyone because no one had righteousness in their account. Jesus did. And then in another way, Jesus, also, the offspring of the woman, um, Jesus had no sin that needed to be paid for. So remember the wages of sin is death. Jesus didn't sin. He didn't have to die. So he was free to pay the wages of our sin with his death. You know, he was our, our own sins, perfect sacrifice, which the Old, Old Testament's and the prophets all point to, um, not only did Jesus die, but he was resurrected. And so he defeated death and the power of sin. And so in him rising, of course, um, he, he gives us justification. He's going to stand up for us on Judgment Day. and But his resurrection also gives us power over sin as we live in our lives. Right? Sin no more has dominion over us. And then finally, his, his resurrection means that he will raise us also incorruptible, like him, to be with him, to never die again. So, so we have that. Now, we talked about um, 
repentance. We touched on this, I think, maybe. Um, we didn't get to everything. So let me just say, is, is repentance necessary for salvation? What is repentance, right? Does it come from man or God? So, yes, it is necessary. And uh, repentance is basically just turning around, going back. and saying, nope, I'm going the other way. This is the wrong way. I'm going to go the right way. Okay, it's to say, um, I was going this way, I'm going to go back the other way, right? Um, and so, um, it doesn't mean we're perfect. We were on, we were following after our own glory, after our own lust, or after our own passions. And now, uh, we see the glory of God in Jesus. And now, we are turning toward Him. And He is our goal now, right? Um, so Robin, Robinson Crusoe, remember the book, um, and the character named Robinson Crusoe, do you think he was right when he prayed to God and he asked God to give him repentance? So here's, the, here's what the book says, quote, I cried out aloud, Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus, thou exalted prince and savior, Give me repentance. So uh, that's a pretty, pretty cool statement. Uh, he even um, referenced Jesus as, the, as being in the lineage of, of David, the promised one, the promises made to David. Je he's calling him Messiah, basically, and exalted prince and savior. And he's saying, hey, please give me re a repentant heart. You know, in myself, I don't have any goodness. Please give me repentance and victory. So I think it's totally acceptable to do that because our repentant heart does not come from ourselves. Um, you know, there's no one that seeks after God. We're, we're about, we, we seek our own desires until we see the glory of God in Jesus. And that quickens us. Uh, Romans 9.16 says that um, then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. So, you know, I think it is within our will to repent, but God is actually the one that changes our will and gives us a good will and not a, a sinful will after we see Jesus. So it doesn't stem, stem from us. Philippians 2.13 is another good example. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And there's a lot of other texts on, on that and on how God um, grants repentance. So it comes from God. He gets the glory in all things. And then um, what does it mean to be born again? We just touched on that, I think. Uh, it's, a, it's a word, a phrase that uh, people take for granted and really don't give much cre uh, credit and two anymore it seems like um you know uh jesus said to nicodemus in john 3 3 truly truly i say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god and so you know um to me it, i would say it's kind of like wanting to see a kingdom on a planet a million light years away, okay? I mean, that would be cool to see what life was like in that kingdom there. 
but it would totally be impossible for us um, because that's just too far away. Unless, of course, we were born there. If you're born there, you, you'd be able to see that kingdom. And that's what the way it is with the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus says. Uh, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So uh, even though the kingdom of God in one context is so far away, Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. All right. Another phrase that uh, we it's kind of uh, take for granted and maybe hard to understand or to focus on is uh, what does it mean to believe, right? Or maybe that's just not a phrase, but a word to believe. Okay. Um, and so Jesus explains that I think very clearly to Nicodemus in John chapter three, verse fourteen. He begins, and here's what he says, and. It may not seem clear at first, but it is. Uh, he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So he was saying that the Son of Man is getting bit, ready to be raised up on a cross, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So that was a reference to Numbers 21, when the people they spoke out against God and Moses and and God sent snakes to that bit the people, and many died. And in verse seven, there it uh, the people admitted that they they were sinners, and they asked Moses to pray to God to take the snakes. And so Moses prays. Uh, so in a sense, uh, it sounds like they were repentant; they admitted their sin. So this is a really a good example of the gospel. These people admitted their sin, and um, We'll see if they were repented, I think, by, by what they do. Um, Numbers 21, 8, And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made the, the bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look to that bronze serpent and live. So you know, that must have puzzled Israel scholars for many years. Um, why would God look, have us to look at the symbol of sin? Remember, Satan came and tempted Adam and Eve as a serpent. Um, why would looking at uh, sin uh, cause us to um, to not die, but to, to you know to save us? Actually, um, how does this symbol of a snake? Um, that brought sin into the world uh, relate to Jesus because it does. Second um, Corinthians five twenty one, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when Jesus became sin, he was lifted up on the cross and he received the wages of our sin. So. In two ways. I mean, just the same way Adam and Eve died two ways. Um, Jesus died for us physically, and he also said on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Quoting from Psalms. So so just, just quickly, uh, uh, the, in the same way that Israel would be saved from the wages of their sins if they 
looked upon the snake. Remember, they repented. They, they admitted their sin. And turning away from their sins, they believed God and looked upon the snake. And they were saved from the wages of those sins. Right? Uh, in the same way, we're saved from the wages of our sin, which is death also, when we look to Jesus, who became sin for us and was raised up on the cross. And we receive his righteousness. So, so that's what believing is. Trusting God and looking to Jesus. Looking away from our sin toward Jesus in faith. You know, if you don't believe God, then you won't turn away from your sin. And you, you'll say, no, that's, you know, that's, that's crazy to think that looking at a snake on a pole would save you. I'm not going to believe God in this thing right here. So, so that's not belief because they did not look in faith. And then just a few chapters later, uh, Jesus said, said it again really clearly in one verse, John 6, 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall ha should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, I, I mean, it says to look and believe. So there is a way to look at Jesus, which is is not believing. I mean, you could look at Jesus and scoff. Many people did that when Jesus was raised up on the cross, right? But to look to Jesus in faith and believe, right? Um, Isaiah 45, 22 was really a very instrumental in the great preacher Spurgeon, his coming to Christ. He struggled as a young man with what it meant to believe and thought at one point maybe God didn't plan on him ever becoming a Christian. Maybe you've heard this story. It was a, a snowstorm and he didn't make it to the church that he normally went to. And so he stopped by another church to get in out of the snow and he stayed there. And even the preacher in that church um, couldn't make it that day. I think it was a Methodist church. And so a deacon stood up and gave the message. And he didn't do too much uh, application or anything. It was real simple, but it was Isaiah 45, 22. Um, and it says this uh, in the King James, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. And so... Um, the Holy Spirit just opened his eyes to see the glory of God in that. And in childlike faith, Spurgeon believed in Jesus and he was saved. And God used him in so many great ways. So don't get caught up or tripped up on the word belief. I think a lot of people do. Believing is the Holy Spirit's work in our life, giving us faith to look upon Jesus uh, as our treasure. And it might be embodied in other ways besides looking. It might be, come, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Matthew eleven twenty eight, or John, um, if any, I think it's it's if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. So to drink, drink from the waters, uh, or to take the waters, even just to take. Revelations twenty two seventeen, I think it says, whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. So, or to hope in Psalms 33, 22, to delight in Psalms chapter 1, 1 and 2, or to pay attention to, remember Lydia, uh, the Holy Spirit opened her mind to pay attention to Paul, Acts 16, 14, to rejoice in, to 
draw nigh, draw nigh to God, and he will draw, draw nigh to you, the Bible teaches, or to confess him, uh, to do all these things, to take up your cross. Jesus was pretty clear. If any man will come after me, he said, hey, this is what you do. Take up your cross and follow me daily, right? Uh, in faith is what he was, I mean, all these things we're talking about, whether it's looking or coming or drinking or, or delighting in or confessing, um, or taking up your cross daily, we do it in faith. And and that's what believing is. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So uh, that's what it means to believe. And it's not just for initial salvation. Through every trial, even as a believer, every trouble, every relationship issue, every problem, we keep looking to Jesus over and over in faith. Uh, just like the, the, the verse that, that, that led Spurgeon to Christ. We look to Jesus as our only hope. We believe. Uh, uh, just as we did the first day we came to Christ. Um, even in death, Philippians 1, 21 through 25, we look to Jesus who became sin for us. And then overcame the grave that we might be justified and overcome ourselves. That's what it means to believe, right? So now, if we know the message of the gospel, right, it's been internalized. We, we God, I mean, God can bring it back to our mind just whenever we need. Um, uh, our approach in sharing that gospel, it will vary according to circumstance and individual person. But it will almost always be relational. And be prompted by the Holy Spirit in love. So uh, we might get some pointers from uh, other encounters in the Bible that people had in sharing the gospel. We looked at the woman at the well, right? And Jesus um, used the well and water, the things they too, they had in common, as a bridge to begin a relational conversation to move to the spiritual. And she also recognized her sin and believed in Jesus as a Messiah. And um, and that that's the way Jesus did it in, in that case. Now, Lydia, Paul, says that um, that the Holy Spirit opened her, um, that's what, it opened her heart. The, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So we really don't know what Paul said Um he may have actually used the same illustration as Jesus because he was by a river. He might have used the illustration of living water. Or I was thinking, hey, he might have, she was a seller of purple. He might have used the uh, passage. Where was that? I think um, I've got it here. It was in, oh yeah, Isaiah 118. How Jesus said, though your, though your uh, sins be a scarlet, they shall be, or as crimson, they shall be as white as snow. So she was probably familiar with dye being a seller of purple. And he might say, hey, you know, your sins, Jesus can clean them. He can take dye out of your life and make you white as snow. And to go on and then begin sharing the gospel of Jesus, who, who, uh, who uh, you know, died for her sins so that she might have fellowship with God and be clean. Or maybe Paul the jailer, remember when there was an earthquake and he, the people's chains fell off and 
and uh, the jailer almost committed suicide. So I wonder what Paul might have said. We don't know everything. I mean, he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and be saved in your family, something like that, right? But, um, so we may not know exactly all the things he, how he expounded the gospel to him. He might have said, look, look here. Did you notice how my bonds fell off? These things that were keeping me enslaved? You look back to the Old Testament, and um, Israel was enslaved for many years in Egypt. And, and God used Moses to bring them out of bondage. And, and you know, and he, just like he broke our chains here today. And, uh, and hey, the thing is that we're all born in bondage to sin because of Adam. But Jesus is the promised Messiah who is here to, uh, he's the only hope for our sin. He was promised way back then when Adam and Eve sinned. You know, he wants to break our bonds, the bonds of sin, and make us free in Jesus Christ. So maybe he used that as an illustration. We don't know. But, um, or we do know what Paul used at the Areopagus in Acts uh, 17, um, in, while he was in Athens, remember? As he walked through the town, and he noticed that there was a, a uh, kind of a, an altar to the unknown God. And so when he spoke at the Areopagus, he, he said, you know, this unknown God, he is unknown to you. I know the true God. And how you can actually know him. You know, he is your only hope ever since the beginning. And he would, could go on from there and share the gospel. Um, and so uh, we, we relate sometimes things to, to other people uh, by, uh, by things that we have in common. Uh, but in our culture today, we might use something different. I was thinking, you know, what shall we use? How can we, we make that transfer from physical to spiritual. Um, we ought to think of applications to do with what we use and what we have in common. One of the, the most searched things on the internet is sports. So maybe you could think of a, a sports illustration that you could uh, bring to Christ, right? Bring to the gospel. I don't know. Um, I was thinking internet also and smartphone. I was thinking the smartphone, actually. Um, Let's see. So if I, my smartphone, you know, if I don't feel it in my pocket, it's like I'm naked. I have to go home, back home and get it. It's like, um, we, we look to our smartphones for everything, just about. We, it even does our thinking for us, just about. You know, we can even use it to talk to others with text, of course, email. But you can use it uh, to, to translate and let it do the talking for you. It's many things. So it's almost like our everything. In, in some context, and it can be if we're not careful, it can be our God. But Jesus wants to be our everything, right? And so we can bridge that gap. Uh, you know, you're never alone. You, you never, I mean, Jesus wants to go with you, and he is with you everywhere. You can't leave him at home, right? And Or maybe the sports that we mentioned a minute ago. I was thinking maybe, maybe Paul, uh, like Paul, we could re reference him, how he talked about running the race or pressing on the fight to fight the fight or uh, how we could win through the righteousness 
of Jesus Christ. We can make that transfer. So I think, uh, you know, we need to ask God to help us. And of course, we have the Holy Spirit. These are just uh, some helper, some helps in some ways that um, we have. We can see how the gospel is shared and how it was related to other things that people were going through in the gospels. And maybe we can make that um, a part of our the way we share it, because it's a relational gospel, right? Um, we relate, and we get our hands dirty, and we let the Holy Spirit do the work. But we have studied, and we have, we know the gospel, but we rely on the Holy Spirit in our life. So next, um, you know, this is the gospel right here. I, I want you to write out the gospel. This is it, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Paul says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So that's the gospel. However, without any explanation or, or referencing to the Scriptures, it might prove difficult for someone to come to Christ or to comprehend what this is all about. So, uh, in the next few moments, I want you to write out the gospel in your own words. We've been looking at this, uh, what the gospel is, how to make it clear, how to share it for the past six weeks. And I want you to write out the gospel in your own words and feel free to, to point out or references, reference other passages in the Bible as you do that. All right? So, I'll leave that with you for a while, and I'm going to pass around... Um, uh, a little situation two different people that uh, maybe one is a text where someone on Facebook is uh, text uh, my life is horrible and my family hates me and I can't do anything right at work either and when there's no internet at my home what is the use so you come across this post and you message this person privately and I'm going to pass around and you're going to respond back and forth uh, and you can see how I've got it laid out on the paper. And uh, when it's not your turn to 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 take this, when the, pa when the paper's not in your area, go ahead and um, continue to work on writing out the gospel. And I'll I'll get back with you in a few minutes here, and we'll we'll look at these together. So that's this week's um, week number seven, bragging on Jesus, writing out the gospel. I hope this course has been beneficial to you, and. Um, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to give me a holler, email me or at robin.ayler at uh, gmail.com. Um, or you can text me at 580-216-2724. So uh, just give me a holler and uh, I'll leave it with you. And uh, let, let me end with a word of prayer. Father God, you're awesome, Lord. Thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for the power of the gospel, Lord. In, in the lives of uh, uh, not only believers, Father, or not only those that come as they come to know you out of darkness, but even as a believer, as uh, we conquer sin and and, uh, and we walk in joy, Lord, and it's all because of the gospel, Lord, all because of Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. Please help us to make the gospel clear and to abide in you and to let your words abide in us and to uh, uh, to share to share with everyone, Lord, uh, how awesome you are and how you're the only hope for our souls, Lord. 
And uh, Lord, uh, I don't think we talked about baptism. Baptism is uh, is a witness. It's been commanded by you, Lord. It's not. Uh, it doesn't save us. But um, as a believer, you, you call us if, yeah, only for those who believe that they might be baptized, and uh, which is a picture of our uh, sub, as we're uh, submersed, Lord. Uh, we're buried. We're buried. To, our old life is buried, and we're, we're raised up in in a new life. Just like uh, when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, you must be born again. We're born again. And then we see the, the spiritual kingdom and everything is, is new and, and we're curious and it's wonderful and awesome. And, and we never get tired of seeing the, the treasures in the kingdom of God uh, the rest of our life and unto eternity, Lord. And we thank you for that. You're awesome, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.